It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Today is Saturday, April 3rd, 2021. On this day in 1882, infamous outlaw Jesse James was murdered by two members of his own gang. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of this case, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of murder that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today we're covering the assassination of the notorious bandit Jesse James. Let's go back to an unseasonably hot spring morning, April 3rd, 1882, in a farmhouse in St. Joseph, Missouri. Zerelda James, Jesse's wife, was in the sunny kitchen of the farmhouse she and her husband shared with their two children. She was whipping up breakfast for everyone, including their two guests, Bob and Charlie Ford. The Ford brothers were young members of Jesse's newest collection of thieves and brigands. Most of his gang were relatively new to the group, and after some infighting, Jesse didn't quite trust them. But he knew that out of all of them, Bob and Charlie were the most loyal and steadfast. The brothers had come over to put their heads together with Jesse and plan a big robbery, one that would be big enough for Jesse to finally retire. But Jesse had no idea that the brothers had been scheming against him. In fact, they'd teamed up with Missouri Governor Thomas Crittenden, who'd been gunning for Jesse's gang for a long time. In 1881, Crittenden, along with some railroad companies, had joined forces to raise the reward for the capture of Jesse and his brother Frank from $300 to an astonishing $10,000, which is about $250,000 today. And when the Ford brothers got wind of that huge payday, they started formulating a plan. They actually approached the governor and offered to kill Jesse for him. In return, Crittenden told them that he'd not only give them the reward, but he'd also issue them pardons for his murder and other crimes. By that time, they'd become such trusted comrades of Jesse that they were around him a lot, but they hadn't yet found a good opportunity to kill him. He always wore his guns, and they didn't stand a chance against him until the morning of April 3rd, 1882. Jesse almost always wore a coat, which concealed the pistols he kept at his sides, but his house was roasting from Zerelda's cooking. He'd been stepping out of the house for air, but it was a hot day. Jesse was uncomfortable. He shook off his coat, yet was wary of any neighbors spotting his guns. 
He and Zerelda had been living under assumed names in order to keep Jesse out of the governor's clutches. He didn't want to give his neighbors any reason to suspect that the nice farmer and family man was actually a wanted outlaw. So feeling he was in trustworthy company, Jesse removed his holsters. Charlie and Bob Ford glanced at each other meaningfully and caught their breath. The time to strike had come. As the two would-be assassins waited for the perfect moment, Jesse noticed something awry on his wall. A framed needlepoint his mother had given him was dusty and a little askew. Feeling free without his coat and guns, Jesse decided to set it to rights. He dragged over a chair to stand on, stepped up, and leaned forward to brush off the offending dust. Bob and Charlie saw how vulnerable Jesse was, balancing on the chair with his back turned to them. The brothers slowly and silently drew their weapons. Bob cocked his pistol and shot Jesse in the back of the head, just below his right ear. Jesse's two children, hearing the resounding snap of the shot, ran terrified into the room. Zerelda followed them and tried frantically to stop the blood flowing out of her husband. Bob had fled immediately after the killing, so he wasn't there to explain himself to the horrified wife and children. Charlie concocted some story about how Bob's gun had fired by accident and then left the panicked and grieving family crying over Jesse's corpse. Coming up, the fallout from the assassination of Jesse James. Hi listeners, it's Vanessa from Parcast. If you haven't had a chance to check out my series, Mythology, you don't know what you're missing. Heroes, gods, monsters, and mayhem. This podcast has it all. Every Tuesday, take a deep dive back in time, exploring the history, origins, and meaning behind the myths that have shaped the Earth. Each episode of Mythology dramatizes a story pulled from beliefs from around the world, giving insight into how our ancestors saw the universe and how those stories resonate in our lives today. Recent episodes include the epic battle between Hercules and Theseus, the grieving spirit known as La Llorona, and a treacherous journey to the land of the dead. Catch new episodes every Tuesday and binge the classics anytime. Follow Mythology free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the story. On April 3, 1882, 34-year-old legendary bank robber and outlaw Jesse James was killed by two of his trusted gang members while dusting in his sitting room. It's said that while the assassins were fleeing down the street, Bob Ford yelled, I killed him. I shot Jesse James. Since they weren't exactly keeping a low profile, Bob and Charlie Ford were arrested and charged with the murder. Both of them were sentenced to death by hanging. It was lucky for them they had made a deal with Missouri Governor Crittenden in advance. Crittenden came forward with the pardons he had promised the brothers. Their lives were saved and they were released. 
While the governor kept up his end of the bargain as far as the pardons, he didn't exactly come through with the reward funds. He did present them with some amount of money, although it wasn't the $10,000 that was advertised. With the law on their side, Bob and Charlie felt as if they'd accomplished something heroic, and yet they were cast as the villains of this story. Sympathetic press coverage, paired with romanticized stories in dime novels, had already turned Jesse and his gang into heroes for some. Jesse had become a symbol of the Confederacy, even after the official end of the Civil War. One story claimed that when the gang held up a train in 1873, the James brothers refused to make off with any loot from Southern passengers. So the Ford brothers weren't congratulated as heroes for ridding the world of an outlaw. Missourians actually turned against them, considering them traitors. Bob in particular was hated and jeered and called a coward by critics as he'd shot Jesse while his back was turned. As for Jesse, after his murder, his body was shipped back to his mother. She had him buried in a favorite spot on the family farm. She arranged for a large and probably expensive obelisk grave marker and had it inscribed with, In loving memory of my beloved son, murdered by a traitor and coward, whose name is not worthy to appear here. Several promoters had come forward after Jesse's death asking his mother to sell them her son's corpse. They wanted to embalm it and take it on the road as a gruesome sideshow exhibit. While she did turn down those offers, public adoration and mourning for Jesse was so strong that she finally gave in to the temptation to make a little money. The matriarch started charging 25 cents apiece for people to visit and take a pebble from her son's grave. But even that wasn't the end of the story of Jesse James. Years later, several different men claimed to actually be the famous outlaw. They said that they'd faked their death to escape their history of crime and live freely. In the case of one of them, a Texan named Frank Dalton, his story was so convincing that even some of Jesse's surviving relatives believed it. Dalton was able to convince people of his story because he had scars and characteristics that matched what Jesse reportedly had. These included a droopy eyelid, scars from bullets, and a mutilated index finger on his left hand. After Dalton passed away, the name on his headstone was even changed from Frank Dalton to Jesse Woodson James. The tomb remains inscribed with a Confederate flag in Granbury Cemetery in Texas. Intriguingly, the claims of all the other wannabe Jessies were disproved, but Dalton's never was, and nobody's been able to confirm or disprove the claim to this day. Whether he was really assassinated or faked his death to dodge justice, the legend of Jesse James lives on. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories like this one, check out the Spotify original from Parcast, Assassinations. 
Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Christine Colby, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells and Alex Benedon, and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime.